Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. I'm your host, William Liu. This podcast is brought to you by Campbell's new chunky spicy soup. It's time to get fired up. This was a really, really exciting game that the Raptors played and ultimately the loss against Indiana. Chance to tie it at the end. R.J. Barrett, um, kind of a broken play. The, a bit of a mad scramble to even get the inbound in. Raptors had their last time out, so they had to get the ball in. No chance to reset. And they get it to Jakob, who gets it to R.J. R.J. clears out, tries to take the rookie Ben Shepard on one-on-one. And even though R.J. had a bit of a size advantage and ultimately got to a bit of a short fadeaway jumper, he unfortunately could not get it to drop, and the Raptors lose 127-125 to in Pascal Siakam's much-awaited return to Toronto. And, uh, yeah, I mean, wow. First off, really exciting game, really exciting atmosphere. Pascal's homecoming was marked by... I'm not kidding. There might have been like a, a, a thousand Pascal jerseys in the crowd. Like it's like every other person you see practically had a Pascal Siakam jersey. There was an entire row, an entire section of fans, you know, just right behind the scores table that like everybody had Pascal jerseys from, you know, all sorts of different colorways. You see some practice jerseys. Clearly there were some giveaways and things like that. But, you know, Toronto really showed out for Pascal's homecoming and Pascal did well. He overcame a really slow start, uh, to finish with 23 points and 8 of 17 shooting, 7 assists, 5 rebounds, including, <laughs> and of course it would be like this, but including uh, the game-clinching bucket at the end there where it was a one-point game and Pascal had it at the top against R.J. Barrett. And uh, I think R.J. maybe overplayed it, um, you know, gave him the baseline, and Pascal gladly took the baseline and got inside for a layup. That put the Pacers up three. Uh, the Raptors would then... Uh, get two back off of Jakob Pertl, getting some fouls, uh, uh, foul shots to drop in. That made it a one-point game. The Raptors intentionally fouled. They got lucky. Uh, Isaiah Jackson went to the foul line, made the first one, missed the second one. So it was still a two-point game. Um, but, uh, yeah, ultimately the Raptors could not get that game-winning play or that game, you know, ceiling play to to drop. And I think it was definitely a frustrating ending for R.J. Barrett, who finished the game so strong, uh, or who started the game so strong. He had 12 points in the first quarter. Looked really good, but he just started to miss chances as the game went on. Uh, Missed a three late in the fourth quarter. Missed a pair of free throws late in the fourth quarter. He was so frustrated. Looked like he was going to rip his jersey then. And then the final play, which honestly I don't necessarily mind so much that he went for – that type of chance, but I think number one it was really good defense by Ben Shepard. The rookie stayed down, did not give RJ the 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 lane, which obviously RJ is looking to get to. And even on the fadeaway, when RJ gave him a little up fake, you know he stayed down and didn't give RJ the free throws either. Although there was no guarantee he was going to make the free throws on a night where he was four of eight from the foul line and then just missed two. But still, um, a, a short jumper to to potentially force overtime, which would have been really cool to see the two teams go at it in overtime. You know, you know that Halliburton, for example, has a minutes limit, so would he have even played overtime? Um, Pascal was on five fouls. Maybe you foul him out. Again, you know, there are a lot of what-ifs in this game, but ultimately, and almost poetically, the Raptors ultimately lose in Pascal Siakam's return to Toronto with Pascal scoring the clinching points. Like, his layup this gave the Pacers the ultimate edge there to, to win the game there. And it wasn't no, like, Kawhi shot, like, fading to the corner, four bounces type of game winner, but still it's you couldn't have scripted it in a more heartbreaking way for Toronto to lose in a game where the Raptors led for a lot of it. Um, they came out strong. They ran all over the Pacers to start the game and they led at halftime and 
you know, they even led through three quarters, and it wasn't a big lead by any means. Both teams were really obviously able to score. This is two of the worst defenses in the league, and so it's not surprising that they finished with 252 points combined without even needing overtime. Um, but the Raptors had some good chances. And honestly, it was funny because I was talking about it, and, and there's so much discussion in the last couple of days on the show and just, just in general about, you know, Scotty and, you know, the, the game against San Antonio and, and whatever. I think probably too much was made of the fact that he left the game like a couple seconds early. Um, there's obviously a lot of confusion just in terms of the messaging, in terms of, uh, you know, did they talk about it? Was it a point of accountability? You know, I don't, I don't think that um, you get that kind of firm impression when you listen to the game. But I think the bigger thing was just how many plays that, um, you know, he became disengaged and ultimately, uh, you know, missed a chance to get back in transition or didn't take his chances offensively. Night and day level of engagement. And I, and I kind of joked on the show. Well, I wasn't even joked. I was actually kind of serious about it. But the best thing narratively would be, or the best way to bounce back would be, okay, Pascal comes back. Last game before the All-Star break, um, Scotty comes out, gives you like a 30-point triple-double, uh, and outplays Pascal and ultimately gets the win against Indiana. And they were so close to that exact scenario happening. Scotty finishes with 29 points, 12 rebounds, 8 assists. He also, um, you know, just played really engaged throughout the entire game. A couple mistakes late, but, you know, again, that you'll live with that to, to, to speak. Um, almost had the game tying three, but he had a foot on line. Um, which was really difficult because, again, we're talking about, like, the last minute of the game. Every point absolutely counts. Um, and, yeah, I mean, he had an awesome game. And when you look at the, the balance of this game, I mean, you ask me who played the best basketball of all the players who played. This is a game, by the way, including Tyrese Halliburton, who is going to the All-Star game um, as a starter, no less. But, uh, yeah, he had 21 points, 12 assists, some really good plays. But Scotty took this game over from the start to finish, and, I loved it, and I loved the engagement, and I loved the fact that, you know, he was he was looking to go at Pascal. There's even one play where him and Pascal were, like, fighting for a loose ball, and he, like, tried to wrestle it so hard away from Pascal, and unfortunately the ball just ended up having to, you know, squirt away, and, and the, the one of the Pacers ultimately picked it up and scored, which is a bit of an unlucky bounce. But just in general, Scotty came to this game looking to make a statement, and whether that was to bounce back, whether that was because it was Pascal, whether it's because of Indiana's poor defense, I don't even know what it is. But my point is we need to see this on a consistent basis, not just the results. Of course, we would love to see 29-12-8 on a consistent basis. That's, that's, you know, I mean, he'd be an MVP if he did that. But I'm talking about the level of, like, aggression, the level of engagement, and he was, he was on it. And defensively, I thought he tried to take on the challenge as well. So that was good. Honestly, the Raptors, like, a lot of it worked well. Like, RJ had a really strong start. Unfortunately, he finished the game really poorly. And I think defensively, there's a bigger conversation there in terms of just to, uh, um, you know, just to improve in this context because I don't think it was a good RJ Barrett performance defensively uh, at all. Uh, offensively, he was good, but then he faded. Um, defensively, of course, you saw him give up, for example, that baseline drive to, to Pascal. But there's a number of plays where RJ just wasn't in the right positions. Um, but offensively, he, he came out so strong and got to the cup all the time. Against a team like Indiana, especially without, you know, some of their key pieces, Miles Turner, for example, there's been, um, like, strep throat or something going around, like, the Pacers locker room, and so he couldn't play this game, and a couple other pieces couldn't play. Uh, and, you know, uh, Neesmith uh, ultimately ended up having to leave the game. Aaron Neesmith had to leave the game after getting blocked by Jakob, and he had a weird landing and made him hurt his foot. So he didn't play much of the second half. Um and, yeah, I mean, there just wasn't that much size in the middle for the Raptors to, you know, 
be worried about. And so Scotty paraded to the basket, uh, RJ paraded to the basket, Bruce Brown, which it was, I suppose, a revenge game of sorts for him because, you know, he had just come over in the trade from Indiana uh, as like the main salary back from Pascal. And he had a really good first half, just cutting to the basket. And, and you know, like, I think if you're looking at Indiana, like, why are they not a serious contender? Well, until they play even league average defense, until they don't give up, like, 20 transition layups to the Toronto Raptors, you can't take them that seriously. Like, no no team is going to be looking at them um, and think that they're out of the game because they're not. Uh, the Raptors will con- – uh, and, you know, they were in this game because they could get to the rim whenever they wanted – um, and yeah, I mean, the Raptors scored 125 points and they shot six of 25 from three. Like they only made six threes. The Pacers made a ton of threes. They were 17 of 41 from three. A lot of that is the Raptors strategy of doubling Tyrese Halliburton uh, and showing him two bodies. And of course that allowed him to get the scoring going. And of course, some of that was the Raptors also poor rotations. I mean, like one time in the fourth quarter, they just absolutely left Halliburton all alone. Like if the strategy is to double team him to give him no Defender in front of him is obviously a massive mistake by the Raptors, who themselves are also quite unserious on defense. Not only are the Raptors um, not coordinated on defense and not experienced, but also, you know, they they lack the, the, the details in, in executing strategies like, uh, you know, the double teams and all the traps and all that kind of stuff. But still, um, you also saw a lot of the positives. And I thought for RJ, if you want to look at the positives, the way he started this game was awesome. He won, was aggressive, went downhill. Um, consistently, you know, was was fighting for the rebounds, all that kind of stuff. Like, I liked his performance. Quickly, you know, kind of hit or miss. I think there were moments where he turned down some threes, and that happens. But he was also, you know, in the second half in particular, found opportunities to get his way, you know, into the lane and shoot some floaters and shoot some layups. I think the big development for him is just finding the right balance because you could definitely tell he's, like, thinking through a lot of what he's going to do. And that leads to a lot of scenarios where he's not reacting to what's happening. He's reading what's happening first. And, you know, he's thinking about and he's trying to script through his strategy and his plan. And so it doesn't just look nearly as natural as what he did when he played with New York, where he was instinctually very easy. Just go and score. Right now he's got to go and score, and then he's got to set other guys up. I think, you know, defensively, whatever. I mean, quickly definitely needs to find a way to impact the game defensively because right now he's largely just a minus. But I think uh, offensively you saw quickly have a better game in terms of getting downhill and you just needed to see the three-point shooting come along. Jakob, you know, with no center for the Pacers, just just consistently was able to get his own. I mean, at one point they were throwing Oscar Shibway out there during the game, which, I mean, if you if you know the name, I mean, first of all, congratulations. This is an incredible, like, level of ball knowledge if you know Oscar Shibway. But also he's, you know, mostly known for the whole, like, Giannis versus the Pacers whole, like, whose game ball is that Giannis scores, like, 60-something points. But they can't get the game ball because the Pacers took it for Oscar Shibway, who scored his first career point on a free throw or whatever. That's what he's largely known for. And he's in the game. and He's super young. And he's you know clearly obviously a guy who needs to develop to, to, to finally contribute towards winning. But it's not a guy right now. They're even putting him in the game. And so, yeah, Jakob, either, he's either that or Isaiah Jackson, who, again, he's like 6'7 at best. You know, athletic and definitely plays above his size. But let's be honest, man. I mean, he's, he's quite small. So Jakob scoring... 19 points for you and getting seven offensive rebounds for you and, and, and blocking shots. This is a really good Jakob Pertl game. In fact, at one point, this is this is so adorable, really, when you think about it as a Raptor fan. Um, Jakob and Pascal obviously came up together. Jakob and Skills, they want to hug each other before the game, hug each other after the game, just really good friends. Um, you know, 
at one point, Jakob actually was in the post and found himself being guarded by Pascal, who the Pacers also used a lot as a small ball five in this one, which, you know, if, you're, if you remember back to a couple of seasons ago, the Raptors tried some Pascal at five, and it just did not work at all. The Tampa season, they used a lot of Pascal at five, and it was terrible. But in any case, um, Pascal was playing five, and so he finds himself uh, guarding uh, Jakob in the post, his old friend, and Jakob hits him with, nothing, with nothing, nothing else but a spin move, which is actually just so funny because obviously that's Pascal's signature move, and he used the spin move to perfection to get to the basket. So lots of good stuff from the starting group. I think the only weak spot was Gary, who, you know, again, had a couple moments defensively, was able to strip the ball, but offensively couldn't get the shots to drop, and that's the thing that's probably easier for him in his game is to get those threes to fall, um, but he couldn't get those key threes to fall. He had two opportunities at a pretty – one was wide open, one was pretty open late in the game, and if he had made either of those, it could have completely changed the outcome of the fourth quarter. Um, but he missed those two opportunities and just never had a rhythm at all in this game. Even still, though, the Raptors' second unit came in and did some good things. You know, um, again, Bruce Brown, I thought first half, he was the main contributor off the bench. He was just able to get downhill and, and just transition, just score over and over and over again. And, um, you know, there was very little resistance from the Pacers, and it looked like a revenge game of sorts. I mean, I don't even know if it's a revenge game if you've only been there for half a season and they traded you, but still, like, um, you know, it seemed like a beloved figure. There was a lot of Pacers who went over to hug and embrace and talk to Bruce Brown before the game. So that was nice to see. Again, another reunion game for the Raptors. It just seems to be a whole season full of reunion games. Um, but Bruce was really carrying in the first half. Grady, I thought, just was solid throughout. Um, he had a really interesting game tonight where he had to guard Doug McDermott, which is not exactly his comp because I don't think that McDermott has the athletic uh, ability that, that Grady does. And if he did, then I think he would be an even better player than what he did. I mean, look, it's not to say that uh, Doug McDermott is not a good player. He, he's carved out a really good career for himself. He's been in the league like 10 years plus now at least. And he's been on multiple teams, and he's actually back in Indiana now post-trade deadline. But he had to guard McDermott, and I think McDermott gave him a lesson in terms of just, like, how to cut, how to sprint, and how to get open, how to curl around screens. And Grady was caught late on a couple of those, and it was actually just a lucky night for the Raptors where McDermott could knock down the lion's share of his threes because he got a lot of open looks, too, and he only went three of nine. We've seen him absolutely torch the Raptors and just be a classic Gerald Henderson Award candidate, for example, against us. But... You know, learning experience for Grady, but also Grady, I thought, was really aggressive, and I liked the moments where he took it to the basket. I mean, him being one of four from three, he also had them pretty open threes, and the crowd was super – like, the crowd was just uh, really good tonight in general, but they were really uh, anticipating Grady. Every single time he shot the three, you could hear this, like, huge rise in the crowd, and so, you know, a couple of missed opportunities there for Grady, but I liked that he took it to strong to the basket. One time he had McDermott one-on-one, and he just drove it straight at him and took him all the way to the cup for a layup. And I love that because, you know, there are certain matchups for Grady and they're going to be more rare. But when those matches come up, you want to see him use that level where it's like, especially because he's a shooter, everyone's going to be pressed up on him. And so if he's able to put it on the deck a little bit and add just a little bit of strength and use a little bit of quickness, he should be able to get around guys because there's very little space for other guys to react and try to guard against his drives if he chooses to drive. So he took it strong there. He had a really impressive finish in transition as well where he kind of like faded turn like kind of you shielded with his body but then stretched to finish reverse it was a really really nice one from from Grady so good stuff there I, I think you know the underrated story for this one I mean unfortunately for the Raptors Kelly Olenek tweaked his back and so he had to leave the game and uh, he was also in foul trouble as well he picked up three fouls so he only ended up playing seven minutes in this one so it's a very unfortunate game for Kelly um 
So he barely participated. But the Raptors then decided, okay, you know what, Chris Boucher, you're coming back in the game. And Chris has been out of the rotation. Chris has been a guy who, you know, it's been talked about so much of like, okay, he's next to go. And, you know, there was a lot of talk that he might get moved. Ultimately, I think the Raptors were willing to move him, but there was literally nothing offered for him. And so he stuck around. And it's a bit of an awkward situation because you even see in blowouts, for example, like, you know, like Mohamed Duguay is playing or, uh, you know, Juarez playing or Garrett Temple's in the game and Javon Freeman Liberty's in the game, but you know, some Jalen McDaniel's in the game, but somehow you still don't see Chris Boucher in the game. Clearly there's something going on there, but this one, you could tell four minutes left in the third quarter, Darko actually turned to Chris and was like, I need you in the game. And Chris, of course, ready to play as always and immediately comes into the game and immediately gets two rebounds, immediately gets fouled on the putback, goes to the free throw line, makes, I think both at that time, he missed two another time, which is unfortunate. Um, but, you know, just came in the game and just committed some energy. Now, of course, did he commit some mistakes too? Absolutely. Those are things that are part, like part and parcel. He gave up an and one, for example, off a drive. But ultimately, he comes off the bench in 11 minutes, gives you 10 points, four rebounds, four or five shooting, um, and gets to the foul line four times. Unfortunately, he went two for four. But that level of activity and, and the fact that he was ready on a dime to just say, okay, I go from not even playing, even in garbage time, which the Raptors had plenty of against San Antonio and they had plenty of against uh, – uh, Cleveland, you know, finally Chris gets into the opportunity here and he immediately takes it. And I appreciate that professionalism. I appreciate, you know, the fact that he was ready to contribute. And as always, he's very on brand. Chris was able to give a lot of energy. But, you know, we just don't know if this is going to be a consistent thing. I think you also saw, for example, Darko in this one bench Ochai Obaji. Even though Obaji played five minutes and he knocked down a three, he gave up a couple of things defensively, which is, you know, typically what he's supposed to be doing is the opposite of that, is playing really good defense. Um, but he knocked down a three and, and in five minutes. I mean, like, I don't know how much you can really do wrong in five minutes. But Darko decided to skip his turn in the rotation and go to Jordan Warren instead in the second half. And, you know, maybe on the, on the merit of it, I don't necessarily mind. I mean, Warren did, obviously, he was with the Pacers for the last two seasons, and I don't know, maybe he knows these guys well and, you know, understands the matchup, blah, blah, blah. I'm not really sure. Or maybe Darko just wanted to get more of an offensive pop because Wara is a better offensive player than Abaji. But I don't think Wara came in the game, like, quite as ready with the impact. And in his five minutes, I thought it was a really, really poor stretch where he missed an opportunity, missed a couple of chances to score, had a couple turn like, just a turnover, like, I, you know, it just wasn't a really strong shift. I, I suppose there's not that big of a difference in terms of if Abaji came in, he might have done something differently. It's hard to say, but ne- nevertheless, it was notable that Darko decided to change up his rotation. Still, though, like, ultimately, it was a really good game. And, and I think, again, it comes back to Scotty. I think Scotty's aggression and his engagement in this game was very similar to what he did against Cleveland. And I, I would say this one, you know, Cleveland at least has, like, really, really good rim protectors and, um, it's difficult to score against them. This one, it may be a little bit easier. But I appreciate that Scotty took the opportunity to say, you know what, if the last game wasn't good and it wasn't good against Indiana, or against uh, San Antonio, not like disciplinary, like good or bad, just the performance-wise was bad. So, you know what, I'm going to come back and I'm going to bounce back. And I thought he played with a ton of pride. I thought he played with a ton of aggression. Again, looked to attack quite a bit. I think one thing with Pascal that we've seen a lot over his years in Toronto is that when he ends up getting in a bit of foul trouble, like he picked up an early first foul, for example, which is kind of like a pseudo version of foul trouble because you definitely don't want to pick up your second knowing that that will cut your your uh, your shift short if you pick up your second foul in the first quarter. Um, you know, Pascal pulled with that one foul on him, on him and he just kind of had some foul trouble in general throughout the game. Just 
you know, backed up a lot defensively and, and a lot of backpedaling. And I think Scotty really read that well and took it strong to him offensively. I don't think it was until really the fourth quarter when there was a couple sequences where Scotty tried to dribble and attack at Pascal and he had two late turnovers, which was really painful to see. But ultimately, I liked the fact that Scotty was looking to attack. And it wasn't a game where his three point shot was working 0 for 4 from three. It was not great. I mean, he had that one pull up three that was basically a three. He just had a foot on the line. He even thought it was a three because he clearly wanted to take a three to tie, and he didn't make the shot, and he flashed the three-point signal. But he also just didn't check his feet because he clearly had it uh, you know, past the line, so it wasn't a three. But ultimately, you know, this is the level of aggression you like to see, the fact that he was playmaking, setting guys up. And honestly, in this game, a lot of guys missing threes and stuff, he could have easily had a triple-double if guys could hit some threes better because he was only at eight uh, assists. But, you know, this is the level and this is the potential that he has. I mean, even, for example, with Pascal here, it's a point of comparison – if Scotty did get two more assists tonight, which, again, was largely just because his teammates couldn't really hit, but if he got two more assists tonight, he would have already tied Pascal Siakam in terms of how many triple-doubles as a member of the Raptors. Like, already. And he's only been here, like, this is midway through his third year, right? So, obviously, he's impressive, and that's why Scotty was named an all-star. He's going to be going to Indianapolis. Maybe him and Pascal can share a flight back to Indiana or something, or... I don't even know, but um, yeah, it, it was just great to see those two go at it. Of course, that's another thing too. Is just it's really cool to see these matchups that you would have never seen before outside of practices, uh, which are all you know closed. But yeah, I mean, you don't get to see these star players go up against each other or these Raptors go against each other, and finally you do. And yeah, I mean, I, I thought Scotty took it with with a lot of pride and and played it with um, you know this 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 focus and this drive. And if he plays like this, like at a consistent level. I don't think there would be any complaints. You know what I mean? I think that you can definitely tell, though, when he's in this mode versus when he's in other mode. So it's just a matter of how often you get to this point. And, again, I do think that late in the game, for example, when you saw Scotty struggle in some of those moments, that's where you would have liked to see him come in with a better plan. And that you can only get that plan – well, you, you, you do a lot of work off the, off the court to sort of develop certain moves and, 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 you know, go into certain patterns and routines – like the way, for example, you see Pascal going to certain routines where he's able to set up his defender and then go to the counters and, and, and you know, spin moves and just have a general plan when he's looking to attack. And it's just a much more like scripted or uh, rehearsed way to score. But, you know, for, for him, I, I do think for, for Scotty that, you know, there are teaching moments for in the game like this for sure where it's like, you know, this is why I keep talking about like if he can get a go-to move or like a, a thing that he can really rely on because late in the game, you know, you turn to that shot rather than, you know, um, for example, he had a turnover late against Pascal where he was just trying to dribble at Pascal and cross, 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 and just try to see what opens up. And he ended up losing the dribble. And it was like, if you if you had a better plan, you could, like, you get there. But, again, this is asking a lot because he's only in his third year. So this is when you're talking about wins and lessons, huge lessons in a game like this. And, of course, I love seeing the fact that after a couple of those missed opportunities, the frustration in RJ's face, the frustration – in Scotty's face, I think that was a productive level of frustration. Not the frustration where it's like, damn it, I, I made a bad play. I'm going to now not get back in transition. It's like, I'm going to fight back, and then when it's a timeout, I'm going to like really, really try to like sit in the moment and be frustrated. That's, that's perfect. That's really great. That's like the stuff that I think you know, you're really going to need to, as motivation to continue to improve. And, and these are key lessons. You know, Raptors had a lot of chances tonight. The Pacers missed a whole bunch of threes. Also had a couple turnovers late themselves, which is uncharacteristic for this team. Raptors had lots of chances to win it. And, you know, Scotty with the turnovers. Um, you know, there's one point where quickly literally ran in front of Scotty 
when Scotty was trying to run the the left wing and quickly kind of cut him off, and Scotty literally pushed him out the way of like, what are you doing? Like, of course you got to know, you got to read where your where your teammates are going, and you got to adjust accordingly. If if uh, quickly had just trailed and stayed middle on that play, Scotty could have very well gone baseline, drawn two, and then kicked it back out the quickly. Instead, he actually cut him off, which allowed the Pacers to really get back and set their defense which all night was an issue for them was a transition defense. You know, you had RJ miss the two free throws and the miss the open three or the pull-up three, which, to be honest, RJ should not be shooting threes late in games. Let's be, let's be completely, uh, you know, clear about that. Like, and the, RJ's a first-quarter three-point shooter. He makes one, you take another one in the second, you make one, you take another one in the third. And then fourth quarter, you just got to know when to stop. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it's, it's, it's throwing good money after bad kind of deal. But, yeah, I mean, you know, the guy who had the coolest head in, in down the stretch was, like, Jakob, which, you know, for a young team, I suppose is not too surprising because he is literally the old head for this whole group. But, uh, yeah, I mean, still, um, it was a really good fight. And I think on the other side of things, obviously there's a lot of interest in Pascal, and I'm just going to talk about that in a second and as well. I'm going to get to the three stars. But I just want to quickly let you know that uh, – this podcast is brought to you by Campbell's new Chunky Spicy Soup. Are you ready to get fired up for the next game? Nothing helps more than a bowl of Campbell's new Chunky Spicy Chicken Noodle Soup. Let me tell you, it's got tons of seasoned chicken, veggies, and noodles, all in a tasty, spicy broth. So it'll fill you up and get you fired up. So take your day to the next level and see if you can handle the heat with the new Chunky Spicy Chicken Noodle Soup. All right, so talk about Pascal, talk about the three stars, and wrap out for the Raptors before they head into all-star break here. So, number one, um, with Pascal, first off, an incredible tribute. Uh, I thought the was really, really well done. The Raptors production crew there, um, whoever made it, you know, kudos to you. A lot of great memories in those clips. A lot of really good moments. His first career basket, uh, the game-winning basket in the, uh, in, in the game-clinching basket in game six of the NBA Finals. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the G League moments, which was great. You know, cameos from Fred, Kyle, uh, Jakob, guys that he was super close to here, of course. Um, the community work that he does, uh, you know, the game winners that he's hit, like all of that was in there and it was, it was told in a really, really nice way. I think it was presented in a nice way as well. The Raptors um, have been doing this thing where I guess this year in particular, but they, they've really upped the production value on the, the like projection thing. So, Essentially, like, they're able to do a light show with, like, uh, the court itself as, like, the, the screen in a way. So just a really, really nicely done kind of thing there. And, uh, yeah, great ovation for Pascal, really warm one. Louder than, honestly, the one that Fred got um, when Fred came back last week. But, uh, you know, just obviously a beloved figure. I think for Pascal, what's interesting, too, is not only has he done really great content to say goodbye, and I think that that was really well done, and, we, you know, we shouted out Tier Zero, for example. Those guys have done a great job with that. Um, Tier Zero is, uh, you know, has been working with Pascal and they're putting out those contents, those blog pieces, uh, things like that, the goodbye video, the, you know, Players Tribune stuff. Like, it, all of it is really well produced, right, which I think for uh, it's great fan service, first and foremost, but it's also a great way for a player to express his message. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think, the, you know, Pascal has done a great job with saying goodbye, which is a weird thing to say, but I think that, you know, clearly there was a really good job done there. Um, and then I think the other thing, too, is with him leaving and the last one to leave, it almost feels like, you know, you, know, you, you get nostalgic about the entire era with him being the last guy to leave, right? Like Fred moved on, um, OG moved on, and then finally Pascal moved on as well. And, of course, you, you heard from Pascal that he didn't want to leave. He, he reiterated that today in, in the, in the uh, 
in the shoot around availability where he talked about how, you know, he really wanted to stay here in Toronto and he really meant that. And he was willing to resign if the, if the contract offers were presented in the ways that, you know, I think he, his play merits, but uh, ultimately the Raptors decided to move on. And so they did, but there is that like extra sentimental value, not only because of what Pascal did, but he's the last guy from that really, really like, you know, wonderful era that uh, unfortunately has now come to an end. And so, you saw the the tributes and everything like that. And even coming into the game, you could feel the excitement coming in. Like you could see the like McDonald's had an activation outside where they were handing out the Siakam swirls for the last time. And, you know, you saw Red Bull, which he's done a lot of content with. Clearly, I mean, every Pascal interview has a Red Bull hat on. Um, but, you know, Red Bull has done a lot of content with him. And there was Red Bull trucks outside giving away free stuff. And, you know, you come into the arena and you see so many guys, you know, wearing so many people wearing uh, Pascal jerseys, which... You know, some of, of course, there were some giveaways that were coordinated and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you don't get the whole section wearing Pascal jerseys without some kind of coordination. But still, I think it was a really sweet moment by everybody involved, whether that was the sponsors or the organization or anything like that. Because as Pascal had expressed in his Players' Tribune piece, you know, he had always, when he was starting out, would look into the crowd and f- try to find a 43 jersey. And, of course, when he was a rookie, 27th pick coming out of Cameroon, um, or coming out of New Mexico State by way of Cameroon, like, you know, like, you're just... You're not going to see that many of them, and more and more as his profile and his play and he, he continued to improve, he saw more and more jerseys, and he was just saying that he hoped to continue to see more and more of his jerseys whenever he comes back, and of course, that's going to fade over time. It's not always going to be like this, but I think there is a true, genuine love in, in terms of who he is. He was able to express that in a very clear and concise way, in a way that really resonated with people. And you saw that kind of, like, culminate in the response that he got tonight. I mean, everybody was here to celebrate him. The, the, the celebrations, even when, to, you know, even when they were announcing him coming back into the game, he's getting, an, an, like, cheers and things like that. So I'm just really happy for him that he was able to be celebrated in that way. I think for the Raptors as an organization, you got to think about, and something that occasionally I become cognizant of as well, is just, you know, you get a reputation of how you want to treat your people. And whatever, exits are always messy. You know, you can you can look at, okay, you know, was this trade report true or th- was this trade report whatever? Like, you know, these kind of things happen. And, and that's just like sometimes you, you – know, like the exit, for example, in this one wasn't like the prettiest exit, right? But at the same time, you know, all that becomes water on the bridge. It depends on how they're treated when they come back. And it reminds me of when DeMar came back and – DeMar got a huge ovation. Of course, DeMar got done dirty when he got when he got moved. But, you know, when he came back, and it, it kind of just smoothed everything over. When Pascal came back, you know, I don't think Pascal was done dirty, you know, so to speak. But when Pascal came back, you got the celebration. You got to celebrate him. And you got to really shine as, as an organization, as a fan base, to, to say that, like, we appreciate all that you've done. And this is a really, really nice tribute from the Raptors. So I just wanted to say that atmosphere was awesome. And then, yeah, finally, as for the three stars itself, um, so, yeah, first star is Scotty Barnes. I mean, again, so close to getting that narrative, like, perfect narrative of Scotty with 29 points, 12 rebounds, 8 assists, takes over the game, leads the group, and goes right at the former star that was here in Toronto, um, is stealing a block, and just, like, takes over and wins the game for you, and then you're like, okay, I totally get why they pivoted. I mean, look, I get why they pivoted anyway. I think most fans do too. It just would have been really nice to validate that with that exact type of a game. And it, it wasn't fully Scotty. I mean, Scotty had two turnovers, but realistically, like, you know, there were a lot of like really good moments from Scotty in this game that uh, I just, uh, you wish you could bottle it and just see it all the time. But of course, he's young, so it's going to be inconsistency. But 
was a great bounce back performance from what he did against uh, San Antonio. Your second star from this game, um, I'm going to go to Jakob. 19 points, 11 rebounds, 7 offensive, 3 assists, a steal, 2 blocks. He got fouled late on a putback. I think uh, Scotty went for a pull-up 3 to try to tie it down 3 in the last minute. And, um, you know, uh, Jakob crashed the glass wisely. Ends up getting to the glass and uh, gets the foul call because he got shoved up from behind. And I don't think anybody in the building was expecting Jakob with his one-handed free throws to make both. But that's exactly what he did. He cashed both of them, and that gave the Raptors a chance with them only down one. But Jakob played really well. This is a good matchup for him. But, yeah, he played well, and it's unfortunate that uh, he couldn't get the result here. Again, the spin move around Pascal was just beautiful. None of the Raptors got spun, but Pascal himself did get spun by Jakob of all people. I, I think, I mean... I think Pascal can definitely brag about the win over Jakob, and that's going to be the, the bigger thing. But uh, if I were Jakob, I'd be texting Pascal right now about like that, that spin move. That was a that was a hell of a move by by Jakob. You just never see Jakob turn and and <laughs> spin moves, but you know you have to do it when it's against your you know your good friend there. And then your third star, I'm going to give it to Chris Boucher coming off the bench, ten minutes, four rebounds, a steal, and a block in eleven minutes, uh, four or five shooting from the field. I'm I'm so happy for Chris. I know it's not going to change anything. I know this is me. He's back in the rotation. Um, you know, he's probably just going to be in the same scenario. And and of course, it seems like his time in Toronto is is unfortunately you know being cut short here, shorter than he would want. But ultimately, um, the the mark of a professional is at any given moment you get called and you come into the game and you are able to produce and play and play your game and make your impact in the and it you know it reminds me a lot of like Thad for example coming in you know these past couple of months and when he's called upon due to injuries and making an impact. So I'm really happy for Chris that he was able to have that moment. And, uh, you know, hopefully his whole situation gets sorted out, but still like uh, in the moments that he can control is like what he can do as a professional behind the scenes, what he can do um, when he gets those opportunities to play. And he did a great job with that. So happy for Chris, your Gerald Henderson award winner for which player randomly lit up the Raptors. Um, it's a tough one here. Probably Ben Shepard. I mean, there's a big stop at the end there. Ben Shepard, the rookie with the little mustache. Uh, yeah, he, he came up with a really, really big stop, unfortunately. So that does it for the podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Again, programming note for the Raptor show, the daily show is going to be on break for about a week. We're going to come back next Thursday uh, with more of the program. But uh, in the meantime, the Raptors are obviously on all-star break. They're going to have a couple days off. We get to go see Pascal, or we get to see Scotty in the all-star game and also in the skills challenge. So you can tune in to see some Raptors on uh, Saturday and on Sunday. And, uh, yeah, otherwise, you know, enjoy a little bit of time off. Um, and, you know, I think this, this season has been exhausting. It's been honestly a bit emotionally draining, especially with how many exits there have been. Every week there's always some sort of, like, reunion game and you want to see these players come back and all that kind of stuff and that's just going to keep on keep on keep on keep on happening but uh take some time to just really you know enjoy and disconnect from the game a little bit so i'm certainly going to be doing that and i'm getting back to raptors coverage next week so you've been listening to the raptors reaction podcast brought to you by campbell's new chunky spicy soup soon your host will i'm signing off 